Welcome to the Purse Podcast. My name is Jana Hlistova and we are changing the conversation for women about money and investing. I'm super excited about my guest today, Vicky Saunders. Vicky is an entrepreneur, she's an award-winning mentor, an advisor to the next generation of changemakers and a leading advocate for entrepreneurship as a way of creating positive transformation in the world. Vicky is founder of Radical Generosity and CEO, a global community of radically generous women supporting women-led ventures working on the world's to-do list. Vicky has co-founded and run ventures in Europe, Toronto, and Silicon Valley, and taken a company public on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Vicky was named one of the 100 most influential leaders of 2015 from empowering a billion women. In 2001, Vicky was selected as a global leader for tomorrow by the World Economic Forum. Now we cover a lot of ground in this conversation, but I start off by asking Vicky to explain what radical generosity means to her and why we need to rethink how we support and fund female founders and essentially the female economy. Vicky talks to us about CEO, the global community she founded, and why gifting empowers the female founder as well as the activator, and how providing capital within an open, generous, and trusting environment allows everyone to thrive and to make a contribution, oftentimes beyond anything that we could have foreseen at the outset. This is such an uplifting conversation with Vicky about what's possible if we step away and apply a new lens and a new mental model to a world that needs new systems and new solutions to address some of the world's biggest problems right now. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Vicky, welcome to the Purse Podcast. I'm super excited that you can be with me today. I'm happy to be here. Before we get started, I have to mention the fact that I, I heard this the other day, you were talking about the time you were in Prague, mm. around the time of the Berlin Wall coming down. And that was a fairly pivotal moment in terms of your entrepreneurial career. And I was just curious if you could share a little bit about that moment. Sure. So I was in Europe trying to decide what to do with my life. <laughs> when I opened up the paper one day, and it's like the wall was coming down. And I thought, oh my God, history is in the making. I need to get over there. And so I took a train and I went over to Eastern Europe and I ended up staying for four and a half years. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a most magical experience. I found myself in Prague in the midst of hundreds of thousands of people out on the streets and everybody was dreaming about what they were going to do now that they were free. And if you can kind of imagine, you know, like one day there are tanks in your country, you're not free. The next day, all the tanks leave. And everybody has this sort of like flip of a switch in their brain from not free to free and then start to dream. And it was just the most intoxicating environment. I was so excited by it. People were like, now that I'm free, I'm going to do this. Now that I'm free, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm free too. What am I going to do? <laughs> it was kind of crazy because of course I grew up in Canada where you're supposed to be free. But you know, by the time I was in my early twenties, I just had layers of everyone else's expectations all over me. And I didn't really feel that free. And so metaphorically, that experience in Prague just woke me up again to the possibility that I could really do anything with my life. And what did I want to do? That's amazing. My family actually moved back to Prague or to the Czech Republic after the Berlin War 
came down as well in 1990. And I remember I, I was 12. Wow. And I do remember the excitement, the, the anticipation that everyone had about what was possible now. The, the communism had toppled, like anything, anything is possible. Incredible time. Yeah. And, that, and that's how you have to think as an entrepreneur. You have to feel that excitement about creating something out of nothing. One of the core beliefs that I've heard you talk a lot about, Vicky, is radical generosity. And I, I love that. You know, we don't hear the words mentioned a lot uh, when you're fundraising or investing capital. Not so much. <laughs> so I'd love to hear you talk about what that means to you and why is radical generosity important? Sure. So for me, if I kind of look at the values that underpin a lot of our interactions in society, greed is really the core, right? Step ahead of someone else to win, accumulate as much as you can, win, winner takes all. And I don't think that that kind of environment creates the best conditions for someone to thrive and to reach their potential, whatever that might be. And so as I've been trying to boil down the universe for many, many decades, <laughs> trying to figure out what's the meaning of all of this and how do we create the conditions for people to really thrive? To me, the feeling underneath that is the space of generosity. And if we were surrounded by people who were generous to us, who were there to lift us up and to support us, my experience when you're around generous people is I tend to think bigger, to be bolder, to put out my ideas a little bit more versus places where everyone's just waiting to like take down your idea. That's not good enough. How's that going to scale? Why is that going to impact 100 million people? Like we're just in this crazy time where I think the narrative is, is very broken and it, it makes people be smaller instead of bigger. And so generosity being underneath that, I also have been very much brought up in this society and realized that if you came home, like we have no power words for being soft. Right. So if you can imagine coming home at the end of the day and saying to people, you know, I was so generous today, <laughs> people feel like I can see my brothers like what, whatever, because all of our words are like, I killed it. I crushed it. I nailed it. I hit it out of the park. It's all like these sports and war metaphors. But in fact, that spirit of generosity and being that way actually does create amazing conditions for people to thrive, for innovation. We all feel better about ourselves when we're in that environment. And so I literally, this is kind of a crazy thing, but I put the word radical in front of it because it seems cooler than just being generous, right? Like radically generous. What if you were radically generous? As that an underpinning in CEO, and it's certainly for entrepreneurs, but really for everyone, if you stop for a moment and just go, what is the radically generous response to someone who's being grumpy to you? What is the radically generous response to yourself when you're kind of beating yourself up for not doing enough or not being good enough? If you just add a little bit of gentleness to that and support, it tends to help us outperform and to do better. And we all feel better about that. So for me, this underpinning of how we treat each other is super core to what kind of society we create. Yeah, it's very powerful. Okay. And I think it's very, very brave. And I think it's much needed as I'm sure a lot of female entrepreneurs have shared with you <laughs> and will continue to share with you because... Yes, raising funding is a challenge. It's not easy, especially for women right now. But you're really focusing on how to make this experience completely different. What first inspired you to think about building an entirely new way of investing for women? Well, I've spent 
many years, systems transformation is really hard. Let's just start there. <laughs> you know, trying to figure out how to transform our systems. Most people don't even see the system that they're living in. We don't see the biases. We think there's something wrong with us. We're always trying to fix women to fit into the existing structures, which are massively biased and not designed for us. So surprise, surprise, it doesn't work. And, you know, decades and decades later, we still are, you know, 3% of women in leadership, 2% of global capital going to 51% of the population. It doesn't work to try and fit us into these systems. And I, and I think we're now witnessing with the pandemic, with climate change, with all of the crises that are upon us all at the same time, that the structures we have are untenable. They're not going to get us towards the kind of future we need. And instead of trying to incrementally, quote unquote, fix the system, which is working quite fine, working perfectly for the way it was designed, we need to actually create new systems. So I'm all about not leveling the playing field and trying to create like a female version of the existing male model we have. It's like we have to actually start from scratch. So that came from decades of experimenting, trying to play within systems and then realizing this is totally not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to tweak our way to a new world. We have to like mm -hmm. rethink it. This is where the iteration model probably doesn't work. Yeah, it really does. And it, just, it takes time, right? Because the first time you do, oh, oh we'll just do this. If I just show the data, I'm sure people will change their behavior. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. We literally have had decades of an unbelievable business case as to why investing in women makes sense and nothing changes. So it's really about the conditioning and the bias underneath it all. And in fact, just going and creating a women's venture fund, the same as every other venture fund, will get us to extinction a lot faster because we'll all be digging more holes of inequality and not creating the kinds of businesses that you know build stronger societies. You have to rethink it. And then the hard part of that is you have to get out of all of your conditioning that's in your mind about the way things are supposed to be. So just imagine, I mean, five years ago, I was like, here's the model, a 0% interest loan that women will pay back over five years, and then it'll be loaned out again, creating these perpetual funds in each country. This investment committee is hundreds of women who contribute $1,100 each. We trust the intuition of hundreds of women to decide as opposed to three experts. The division of capital that when the ventures are selected by these women who contribute small amounts of capital each, those entrepreneurs are going to divide up the money themselves as opposed to us allocating it. We're going to trust them to do that. We're going to trust women to pick the kind of companies that will create better society. And you're gifting your money and you're not getting it back. Like When I first started, people were like, what are you talking about? Are you insane? You know, said 98% of the people I talked to. And the other 2% were like, this is awesome. Sign me up. <laughs> You're going to get very polarized. Yeah. Just, it was so polarizing, but it wasn't like 50-50. It was literally like 2%, 98%. I mean, you were literally turning everything on its head. Completely. You know, all, the, all of the mental models around this, literally you've turned it upside down. Yeah, absolutely. And some people are like, I'm in for that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> And those are mostly like early adopters who trust themselves and realize that we need to experiment our way to a new place. And so I use the word imagine an awful lot. Imagine if, you know, imagine if, and now I don't have to do that because we have 68 phenomenal ventures that we funded across five countries, great success stories, growth, exporting, great social impact, and just tear jerking stories of how women change their behavior when they come together in an environment of trust. Like when you're an entrepreneur surrounded by thousands of women who have literally paid to help you and are showing up with their networks and their expertise and their buying power every day, just waiting for you to ask, 
it's crazy. It, it's like so opposite land that it just kind of takes you down for a couple of days. You're like, what just happened? 14 <laughs> people just responded to my ask, what is this place? <laughs> and I'm like, welcome to sheeo.world. You know, it's, it's a really different way of coming together. I mean, it's interesting because you talk about gifting in this particular case. And I, you know, I've thought about this a lot. It is still an investment. I mean, sure, women who put in the money to support these ventures are not getting a return, but there is so much that they get back. So it is an investment. It's just that your return comes in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And we just don't use the word investment because it's confusing. Oh, wait a minute. I'm investing my money and I'm not getting it back. And to your point, you know, we just don't have a model in place in the world where we have an understanding of what the value of social impact is because we've externalized all those costs, right? The only thing we measure right. is like job creation and making more money. But like, what is the value of a zero waste business? What's the value of carbon neutral business models, right? Like there's huge value to those, but we just haven't figured out a way to measure it, thankfully or not thankfully. And so I think those are pieces to it. And then, you know, this concept of gifting capital forward is very indigenous. So ancient cultures that were here before us did this already. It was called the potlatch where, you know, they would go out and do what they were doing in their local collective economy. And when someone accumulated too much, they would have a big party and give it all away because they realized that everything belonged in the community, not to one person who was good at the game, quote unquote. It's not a new idea. It's just a modernized iteration of ancient practices that kept society in relationship with nature and each other. Wow. Now, before we get into the detail around Chiyo, and you have given us a really good insight there, I'd like to just zoom out a little bit and, and talk about women who invest and why it's important and why specifically women who have money and can invest it into female founders why that's important too. So one of the things that I learned over the years of doing lots of experiments and, and really trying to get underneath transforming behavior and changing culture is that you have to sometimes create new language to create a new mm -hmm. experience and you have to call things different. So we have called women who step into this community activators because they're activating their financial capital, but also their social capital, their spiritual capital in supporting one another. And so this idea of activating instead of investing becomes the behavior. And no one really knows what that means. So they can actually start to act differently. <laughs> Whereas if you think from an investment lens, you try and control the outcome, how the money's spent, how much goes to whom, you know, how they're reporting to you. There's all kinds of rules attached mm. to those structures of how we do things right now. And so by changing the language, we have, you know, an ability to sort of change a bit of the process. So women are activating their capital is how we look at it as opposed to investing it. Love it. Yeah. So I think the other thing is we tried to make it as low an amount as possible so that millions of people could participate because this is really designed as an experience for you to kind of unlock your thinking and to come on a journey where it's like welcome to opposite land. We kind of do everything here the opposite of what we're doing in the rest of the world. And guess what? The outcomes on the other side are really amazing. But until you actually experience something that's different than what you're currently doing, you often don't think it's possible. So what's happened here is my thesis behind this was gift your capital. Don't try and control where it's going. Trust that the other women who are part of this community will bring what they have to contribute. Trust that the entrepreneurs will ask for support. Trust that giving them money on their own terms 
will actually create better outcomes and come on the journey. And that is $92 a month or, you know, 71 pounds a month, depending on where you are. It's just the equivalent of that amount. And you come on the journey. And as you go through that, you start to see, oh my God, I would never have spent money on what she spent it on, but look how amazing her business is doing. And I've been talking to my friends about it and they're starting to buy this product. And we're all excited that we're part of the success of this all wrapped together. And wow, she needs more money because she's expanding. Could we now invest in her? And so our activators then become follow-on funders and start to invest for a return in those ventures that they're in deep relationship with. But the dynamic is really switched from like, I have the money, I set the rules to mm. we're going to support you on your own terms and trust that you're going to get us to a better future. It's phenomenal, Vicky. <laughs> Just, I ran a company a couple of years ago and I wish I'd known about you back then because I think it would have been an entirely different experience for me as a female founder. There's something about the giving and creating this nourishing and very supportive community of women who want to see you thrive, which is how you've talked about it. You're going to feel accountable and responsible with the money that you've been given because it's been given to you in such a generous way. Yeah, that's definitely an outcome of this is that by shifting it around, in fact, you create more ownership for everybody as part of this. Mm. Like a venture not doing well is something that we all own. It's not just the ventures issue, right? We all like if it's a failure on behalf of our entire model if things aren't working out. And so we all need to step in to support. And that's a really different approach than the sort of individualistic, like cross your arms, I'm loaning you money and you better pay me back. You better get me a really good return and over to you. You know, it's this very sort of punitive, uneven power dynamic that I don't think creates the best kind of outcomes for humans. We've certainly seen that it does drive a lot of companies into the ground and also creates knock-on effects as a result of people not thinking holistically enough about the impact that their company may be having on the world. Now, you have really ambitious goals for the organization. I don't think you've mentioned them yet. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do this model in each country. So hundreds of women each year come together, they activate their capital we open up applications, entrepreneurs apply. We vote for the entrepreneurs we're most excited about. Everybody who applies gets personalized feedback. We all leave comments because hundreds of us are voting. And then the capital is loaned out to those who are selected. They pay it back and then it gets loaned out again to another group, country by country. So we're, we started five years ago in Canada. We're now in five countries, Canada, the US, New Zealand, Australia, and the UK. And our goal is to be wherever women around the world would like to replicate this model. So we have about 70 regions around the world that have reached out to replicate the model. And our goal is to get to a million women activators and a billion dollar perpetual fund as soon as possible. And that's really just the starting point. I mean, I think once we start to get in community together, already we have about 5,500 activators in our community and have selected and funded 68 businesses. And everyone's like, now what? What else are we going to do? <laughs> like we're, we're all like, let's transform systems. Let's get in there. We should be talking about this. And so as we start to realize our collective influence together, it really sort of lifts your head up to the possibilities for what else you could transform. Uh, it, it just feels so powerful when you come into this community and you contribute a small amount and then realize how all of us, I mean, it is the craziest thing. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I can really say this, like, it is the craziest thing when you're like, okay, I really need this super niche, crazy thing. 
and I'm going to just ask for it and see what happens. And then someone puts up their hand and says, oh yeah, I got that. And you're like, what? How's that even possible that that exists? And it really helps you to start rewiring your brain. Like we literally have everything that we need around us all the time. It's one step removed from whatever you need. And most of us just keep our head down and think, oh, it's not really there. She said she wants to help me, but she doesn't really mean it. She's too busy. Like we have all these things that obstruct us from getting to what we really need. And by not asking, we also rob the person who has the answer of contributing to us. So we literally cut off the relationship by doing that. And so I've just learned over and over that, in fact, asking is a gift to the person who has the thing that we need because they have it in abundance and they want to share it. And so in my example would be, I have so many connections that I've built up over the year and almost all of them owe me a favor and I'm never going to be able to use them all. So please ask me for a connection to someone in my network so that I can ask for the favor for you. <laughs> you know, like that to me is a thing. And so it's just, we live in such abundance and we've been trained in such scarcity and it's time to like shift that completely. I mean, it feels so abundant just listening to all of this, Vicky. It really is thrilling. Can you talk a little bit about the process whereby the female entrepreneurs who are selected, so their ventures that are selected for the money, how they decide who gets what or how much money they will get from the allocated pot? Yes, absolutely. We create this very special weekend retreat. Once the ventures are selected by the activators in their country, they come together for a weekend with their coach. And they get to know each other really well. They start to talk about each other's businesses. They talk about some of the challenge they've, they've faced, what their vision is for their business. And they go deep. They open up their books. They share what the state of their business is. And then on the final day, we ask them to divide up the capital themselves. And they only have two rules. One is you can't give it all to one. So no winner takes all at CEO. And you can't divide it up evenly which is what I think every woman I know would do if she was in a room with other women that she just became best friends with. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I love you. Yeah. You're so amazing. Like, I'll just take $100,000 and walk away. And I'm like, no, that's not what's happening here. So there's this whole process that goes through. And the amazing thing that we've learned, this is just, this is an experiment. We've done it now, I don't know, 11 times or something. And every time it's so fascinating because people do something different each time. They have a different process they go through. But what always happens is that they make the money go so much farther than just the money's value, right? So someone will be like, oh, I need $40,000 as part of my ask for X. And someone's like, oh, wait a minute, I have someone who can do that for 20K and they're amazing and I trust them. And so they start sharing their resources with each other to make the money go farther. We're so capital efficient as women. And so this environment to look at the assets that are on the table, that's just the financial assets, but they really start even in that retreat to understand there's so much more here than the money. Uh, and that's before they even meet the thousands of activators who are all on the sidelines with our hands up saying, pick me, what do you need? <laughs> you know, like ask me for help. We're all sitting here like wanting to help. So yeah, it's this sort of entry point into this kind of concept of abundance. It's a two and a half day process where you get to know each other. We have meals together. We're staying at a beautiful place. We're nourished. We do some exercises together to understand each other's negotiating styles and approaches, learn a little bit about our leadership. But the actual negotiation of, you know, there's $500,000 on the table. There are five of you here. Tell us how you're going to want to allocate it. That has taken from 30 minutes to eight hours, depending on the group. 
some are like super fast and others are like grinding through it, trying to figure it out. Wow, that's interesting. Now, I'd love to switch gears a little bit, Vicky, and I ask all of my guests these questions. It's what you're excited about in, in terms of the world of investing in 2020 and beyond. And then the follow-on question is how you personally choose to invest your money. I'm like 100% down for supporting women who are working on the world's to-do list. That's my focus and always will be. I just, I love using all the resources that I have to get behind people who step out of their comfort zone to solve critically challenging issues that we're facing in society with unique business models or new approaches. So that's always been my focus. And it's kind of strange. We're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm excited about everything. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic sort of entrepreneurial mindset. But, you know, I have been saying for many, many years, everything's broken. What a great time to be alive. I still feel that way, that we're at this incredible moment where we're just seeing the results of decades and decades of systemic inequalities playing out and what that ends up looking like. So from Black Lives Matter to climate change, to racism against indigenous peoples, to this perpetual, painful, ridiculous 2.2% of venture capital going to 51% of the population. Like it's just everywhere you turn, the result of the structural inequalities that we have built into our systems is on display every day. Like every headline is sitting there. So I'm actually excited about the chance for all of us to step into the space and go, okay, now that we're seeing that everything is systemic, how might we rethink how we live together, how we exist together in relationship and communities? How do we get into relationship and communities? And so for me, you know, like I'm excited about all different sectors. I'm particularly excited about ed tech. I always have been. I love, love, love education and think it's totally broken and needs just a massive rethink. So from an innovation lens, I just think there's just so many places. But every day I'm kind of blown away by the sort of ideas that women are coming up with and the applications that are coming our way. You used the word thrilling before, which I love, but it is thrilling to read through all of the different ways we are trying to think about getting to a new world. It's one of the most fun processes at CEO is the voting process where you see hundreds of applications and wonder, how come we don't have more of these things out there in the world? Yeah. And it's amazing when you really wake up to that. You know, some of us have been conscious of it. I've been very conscious of the systemic issues and biases and what have you, structural problems from a young age. But for others, I think you're waking up to this and to suddenly think, yeah, we, we really need to be rethinking so much of the way that we live, the way we think and, and how we do business. You just see so many opportunities around you. But I'm very excited about how women are stepping into the startup world, they're running successful businesses and they're designing and building products and services designed by women, built for women. And these markets are so underserved, they're so underinvested. And so the opportunity is enormous. Yeah, I think one of the things that I continue to see though, and I, I mean, if there was a sort of cautionary note uh, around all of this, you know, I've had people go, I'm doing X as a woman entrepreneur, how come this isn't being supported by you? And, and part of the thing that I see over and over is because we're so conditioned in thinking that this is the only way to do things, once people realize how underfunded women have been and undersupported women have been, they just go, you know, add women and stir to the existing model, whatever it is. 
And I think this is really the thing that we have to be careful of is to step back and go, what are the critical priorities we're facing on the planet and how can we solve them with new models and new mindsets and new solutions versus just creating like a woman's VC fund? The problem with VC is it's inequality creating, it's gap widening, and it is about winning at all costs, go win the market and become a monopoly. That's built into the playbook of it. So creating a women's version of that is more problematic. And so what is the way of funding ventures that doesn't widen the gap that actually is healing the inequality exists? It's going to that deeper layer. And that's, I'd love to see more ideas like that that are actually rethinking. And that's a hard thing to do because you have to kind of get out of your conditioning. I mean, you really have to step outside of all of the mental models that you've probably built up over the years. It's so powerful, Vicky, what you just said. I mean, it, it really is about, you know, how do we bring people together? And it sounds really simple and it's not because, as you've said, you have to come up with an entirely new language. You have to unlearn and then rethink and then learn. <laughs> and you have to keep doing that because the world keeps changing. And I mean, there are so many dynamics. Things are constantly on the move. So we need to adapt constantly. But how do we bring people together so that we actually feel good about supporting each other as opposed to extracting and as opposed to feeling really greedy about what's in it for me? I'm only going to do this if I win every single time and I win big. I mean, part of that piece is like, let's tell ourselves the truth. You don't win big every time. And the vast majority of people who bet it all on red in angel or venture investing lose their money. The vast majority. So, you know, I have a friend who has made a ton of angel investments, a whole bunch of $50,000 checks. And when I came up with this model, she's like, what are you doing? You want $1,100 from me and I don't get anything back for it. And I looked at her, I'm like, how much money have you flushed (laughs) with your investments? (laughs) Like, tell me about that. This is a 0% interest loan that women who get it are feeling extremely compelled to pay back, 97% payback, right? And the money will continue going forward. And it's $1,100 for God's sake. Uh, And still it was like, yeah, but I don't. And I'm like, but you know, it's all made up this idea of chasing unicorns. It doesn't really happen. And if you look at the numbers, venture capital returns less than municipal bonds. But the promise of potentially maybe this is the time has people throw away, you know, thousands, millions of dollars over and over. And so with us, I'm like, this is 1100 bucks. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. 71 pounds a month for you to try and experiment. And the value you'll get out of it is just like so different. But again, uh, to your earlier point, this concept of having to unravel our thinking and to get out of our accumulation and me, me, me culture to think about how we might do this together. It is actually an incredibly simple concept to come in and do this. It's just not easy for a lot of people to get there. I'd imagine for a lot of people, until you've been through the experience, unless you're that way inclined, they're not going to really understand it, right? Until they felt the full impact of what that money can do and what being part of the community can do and and how you can actually really supercharge these female adventures. Well, and to supercharge ourselves, I think is one of the big surprises in this is that people step in on behalf of maybe helping others. And they very quickly realize we do calls every single week with our activators now that we're in COVID land. And you can join any country's calls or your own country's calls as well. And we do ask give every week in small rooms. So it's like, what do you need? How can I help you? We're all literally here. The first question you hear is, is how can I help you? 
And so everyone's there to help you as well as the ventures. And it's now just become so clear that amongst all of us, we literally have everything that we need to support one another. But the spirit of walking in the door is about gifting first. And so if you're sort of addicted to like, well, what do I get out of it? And you have to go on the journey to get it. And to your point, it's very hard to explain what this is like until you're in it. You have to kind of close your eyes and bet on yourself. I trust this is an investment in me and it's going to help me see the world differently. And there's something that I will learn and transform in this process. And for people who don't trust, it's harder for them to do that. But those who are like, I think that this is a cool thing and I'm going to get into it. The thing that most gets me emotional these days is when I see somebody who's in their early 20s in their first job who say, I've been saving up to be an activator. And then they become an activator, you know, after their third paycheck or something. And I think, oh my God, I never would have picked myself that early in my career. I didn't think I was good enough. I thought I'd have to be a lot farther along. So it moves me so deeply to see uh, people betting on themselves. I mean, it was late in life that I started to really feel confident. It took me decades to build my confidence. And so to see young ones coming along, stepping into it earlier, it gets me very excited about the future. That's amazing. And I, I guess they have a lot more role models, right? I mean, there are women like you, they can see, they can see women doing this stuff differently, rethinking the way that the world can work so that it works better for everyone. Yep. Just getting started. There's lots more to do. I mean, there's just so much, so much to do. <laughs> now, what advice do you have for female founders who might be looking for funding or, or raising right now during the pandemic? So tough time to be raising in many ways. <laughs> the advice I always have for women entrepreneurs having witnessed the impact of a community like this is to go find the others. It took me a long time to find the others in my own life. But being surrounded by people who lift you up and have your back is so, so, so important for entrepreneurs. You know, where it's such a lonely existence. And so I think to me, the thing is go find a community that helps you stay buoyant during these times because it's really, really tough. And from a fundraising perspective, my experience has been that, you know, the only way you raise fund is getting in relationship with people. And so, you know, calling someone up and go, do you want to invest in me when you have 32 seconds before your business is going to die and it's a fire drill? <laughs> That's not a good thing. It's more like, yeah, you know, here's what I'm doing. Here's who I am in the world. And building that relationship over time is really the way to do investment. And so we're just sort of seeing the benefits of that. I think getting into relationship with women is really, really important if you want women to write checks and we're much less likely to participate in this transactional approach that a lot of investment is. That's so powerful. So for women who want to become activators, want to get involved, what's the thing they should do now? Super easy. You just go to our website, www.sheeo.world. That's S-H-E-E-O.world. And if you're listening from the UK, it's the equivalent of $1,100 a year, $92 a month, 71 pounds a month. You pay monthly, you show up on these calls if you'd like to, you get access to thousands of women across the five countries we're in to help you grow your business or support your leadership. You don't have to be in business to be part of this network. Activators range in age from 11 to 95 years old. <laughs> we have mothers, daughters, and grandmothers. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's just so wow. intergenerational. It's powerful. And the thing that's underneath it all is that we commit to being radically generous and practicing that. No one really knows what it means when we step into it, but it's, you know, over the last five years, I'm healthier, I'm happier, and I really feel like I have everything I need 
in a way that I definitely didn't five years ago. And so this whole concept of stepping into a different way and then practicing that concept of radical generosity really helps. So anyone can join at any time of the year. I'd love to welcome you in. I'm so excited about this conversation. What you are doing is truly incredible and thrilling. I am definitely going to become an activator. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you're doing with this work and through SHEO because it really is much needed. I know that you've obviously had a massive impact already, but I'm sure there's so much more to come, as you said. I want to acknowledge you and and all the work that you've done. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And welcome in, in advance. (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me online at Join the Purse, or you can subscribe to our newsletter, jointhepurse.substack.com. Until next time, goodbye.